Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we are finally reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, we've made it to the promised land. 135 episodes of Offscript since we first reviewed Justice League episode one, our very first episode. Now we've come full circle. We're here. It's out. Four hours. We both watched it. Oh my God, I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. I can't believe and, it. That was our first episode, and now we're coming back to it. We've come full circle. Yeah, I didn't know it was our first. Uh, it wasn't until you pointed it out, uh, either just after the last week's recording or sometime this week. You're like, hey, man, our first episode was just like, oh, God, it is. You're right. So here we are all this time later. It's like it's like we're coming home, really. Uh, and we're not any better at podcasting than we were then. So thanks for listening, I guess. Uh, before we get to that, we need to talk about the news. We're also going to take a look at a couple trailers. Typically, when we do our shows, uh, we do two films and we do some kind of middle segment in the middle where we put trailers in between our reviews. This is just one because Justice League is too big to be paired with any other film. So we're going to do our news. We're going to do our trailers. Then we will get into the review. We'll talk about a little correspondence at the end of the episode. And that, that's our show. So let's jump right into it. Uh, first things first. We have some numbers on the U.S. box office because in 2020, things were not going so hot. Uh, a lot of people were streaming. Not a lot of people were going to movie theaters. And now we finally have an idea of how the movie theaters held up. We are seeing that U.S. box office numbers have fallen, wait for it, 80% in 2020 as That's streaming rough. has boomed. That is not nothing. Andy, what do you know about this story? Well, I forgot to review this again before. I did, I did too, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to the surprise of no one, the uh, the theatrical market was really hurt by the pandemic and streaming boomed because everyone had to stay home. Uh, so that's not surprising at all that the box office is down 80% after having you know a, a record year in 2019. Uh, so it's not really surprising, but it, it's interesting to have a solid numbers. Yeah, it's uh, equally not particularly surprised but interesting to see uh we finally have an idea of broad streaming service um success uh we officially saw over 1 billion subscribers to entertainment streaming services in 2020 specifically we hit about 1.1 billion globally that's what an eighth of the world is watching about streaming that, services yeah. and paying for it that is bananas and again no surprise i don't think anybody listening to this show is going to be like astounded by that data but even still it is it is huge not as huge as the tremendous dip in theater uh, attendance however i know obviously coronavirus has upset things a little bit but we're looking at 80 percent decline Ooh. which is i mean dude you pair that industry taking an 80 percent nosedive right next to streaming services rocketing up and you can see this like real leap in entertainment consumption right and how how we consume entertainment especially in our own country like everybody jumped everybody jumped something that should have taken five or ten years all happened in the span of a year because suddenly nobody could go to theaters but everybody had to watch stuff at home um it was not the coronavirus has not been kind to the movie theater industry i guess no it, it's been Real rough. Another interesting thing about this story is that uh, for the first time, China has actually been the uh, the world leader for the box office at uh, about $3 billion. Usually it's uh, second or, or third, um, but they they opened up much sooner than, than we did here in the States. Yeah. Uh, next up after that is America. And then third is Japan, in case you're curious what the biggest uh, box office countries are. Um Again, not really a surprise, but just a staggering number. I don't know what I expected, I guess. I think um, 
especially in America, it's easy to kind of get horse blinders on for where you're at locally. You know, we are in Dallas. So we look at Dallas, we look at Texas, we know things are tough. We look at LA, we look at New York. Wow. Yeah. Nobody's going to theaters out there, but to see like just, I mean, four out of five <laughs> tickets weren't sold this year and compared to the, and compared to 2019, that's, that's a lot of movies, man. Um, yeah. I, but I'm glad the industry's bouncing back, you know, streaming services have, have kind of paved the way for, um, movies that don't aren't necessarily giant blockbusters being successful. Um, we have a lot of like mid budget Hollywood features now that we can watch and we can see things like justice league, uh, from the comfort of our own homes. Not such a bad setup in my humble opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, it's brought about a lot of change. Um, some of it's going to be permanent. Some of it's, uh, kind of not, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's really opened the opportunity, opened the door for a lot of like reboots and sequels, which ties in perfectly to our next story. Ace Ventura three is in the works <laughs> at Amazon with the Sonic, the Hedgehog writing team attached. My God, uh, this is an odd headline to read. What do you know about this, Andy? Talk about a uh, a blast from the past here. So Ace Ventura, uh, for those who don't know, was uh, two films that Jim Carrey made in the early 90s. Uh, very kind of absurdist uh, comedy. Very funny, bit, both very successful. Um, and, you know, 25, you know, nearly 30 years later, we're going to be getting uh, a third in, installment. Yeah, they, um, you know, they tried to kind of run with Ace Ventura for a minute. There was some kind of animated show back in the 90s. There was... Uh, like Son of the Mask, there was like a, a Ace Ventura kid detective kind of thing with like his son at one point. Really, like they've tried to run with the property, but without Jim Carrey, it just doesn't work. And like the first two films had it, that was it. And even the second one was not as outstanding as the first. There's some good bits, but otherwise, you know, this is a big deal to say that, okay, we, we are we are officially moving here. I think it helps that they've got the Sonic the Hedgehog team on it because obviously Carrie had some success over there playing Dr. Robotnik in that film. Do we know if he's actually in for a third movie? Because he's I think not, that will be what matters. Oh, of course. Like If he's not in it, it's not going to matter. You can't replicate that, not unless you had like a Robin Williams person or you know character like that. Um, so we don't know. He's not attached just yet, but uh, hopefully he will be. Yeah, we'll have to see. I, I, I'm skeptical for sure. I mean, even if he is in it, I'm skeptical because like the the whole the whole reason Ace Ventura worked and like really launched Carrie's career is because he went like just a hundred and ten percent on the energy, right? Just so manic and all over the place. And that was twenty seven years ago. Like he's he's older now for sure. And like Dr. Robotnik was a pretty goofy character, but like it's nothing like Ace Ventura. I mean, I so so I don't know. I if he if he gets into it, maybe it'll be awesome. Yeah, he's, he's could, gonna Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna have to bring in it's gotta be absurd. It's gotta be and it's gotta be so over the top. He hasn't done a character like that in quite some time. No. So if 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 he does go for it, uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing it at the same time if he passes on the character like i totally get it it, it, it was like 30 years ago like uh, you know what, what do you expect well in some brighter news uh, regal cinemas is going to be reopening finally the third biggest theater chain in the world is whipping open after they've re reached a deal with warner brothers for some theatrical releases alongside streaming services similar to the way amc and cinemark has andy i'm going to be honest i didn't read this story before the show what do you know about this um, so like we said, with it, Regal's going to be slowly opening their theater starting next month. Um, and they've, 
I mean, they, they've uh, developed some sort of 45-day exclusive theatrical window with uh, with Warner Brothers. Now, I don't know if exclusive means that they're the only theaters getting them. I can't imagine that's it. But um, this upsets the deal that they were going to do, which was do day and date releases on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, that was originally what they had announced in December because we didn't really know what was going to happen this year with uh, coronavirus. So that looks like that's probably going to be out the window or at some point discontinued, um, maybe or in the next uh, couple of months, and we're going to be back to uh, theatrical exclusive releases. But the big um, news here is that it's the theatrical window, which was 90 days, is now only going to be 45, and in some uh, some circumstances, only 31 days uh, before going to rental VOD. And this is what we've always wanted. We wanted these things to be available much, much sooner than they were. Yeah, this is an interesting deal because, yeah, it, it, it's saying here that they're going to have 45 day exclusivity uh, with Warner Brothers theatrical releases. I am assuming that means that Warner Brothers theatrical releases will be in theaters exclusively, not just available at Regal. Right. Cinemas. That's that's what it means. That That's what right. needs the clarification there. Yes. And that's for 45 days, which is a big deal, um, especially considering their strategy right now in 2021, which is to dump all of their stuff the day it comes out on HBO as well as in theaters. This is for 2022. It's important to clarify that this does not apply to any films in 2021. This is strictly starting next year, but it looks like if I didn't know any better, uh, Warner Brothers is going to be releasing stuff exclusively in theaters again. Not for 90 days, though, which is, is good. Just for 45. I think that's I think it's a reasonable that's a reasonable way to go. Well, they really need flexibility because, you know, some films do better than others. So if something's doing poorly, you, you want to get it out to rental PVOD kind of as soon as possible. If it's got a lot of staying power, then, yeah, you want to fl- uh, flex those 45 days as much as you can. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I while I really enjoy being able to watch like this content at home right when it comes out, especially in the case of something like what we're talking about today, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I don't see a problem with having to wait a month and a month and a half to watch it as well. Because that might be the way this goes. Maybe they say, okay, for 45 days, it's in theaters. And then immediately on the 46th day, it's on HBO. That would be great. You know, that, I, I would not be sour about that at all. We'd still go watch stuff for the, the show. People could watch it after. Like, that's not a bad deal, but we don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure, it, I don't think it would go directly to HBO Max. I think it would probably go to a rental service first. And then, you know, another month, month, month and a half, then it'll be on a streaming service. Yeah. The most interesting th- thing for me is how Warner is pivoting, like looking into the future. Cause I was really hoping um, as a consumer, at least who enjoys watching stuff at home, that they would just run with the stuff premieres at the same day um, on HBO. Like I've, I've really enjoyed that. And the value like from HBO is, is unmatched compared to other streaming services in my uh, film loving opinion. But Obviously, they're looking forward. They realize that is not a sustainable strategy. Once the world opens back up, once we're not doing this face mask thing anymore, it sounds like we're going to be back in theaters for better or worse. Right. And what's interesting, uh, Disney, in contrast, is still going to do day and date releases. Uh, we we didn't talk about this in, in news, but uh, Black Widow got pushed to July, uh, July 6th. And that's going to be on both Disney Plus for 30 bucks, or you can see it in theater. So they're going to stick with the, the day and date release with the premium uh, cost if you want to see it today. I think that might be the way to really go in in the future is, you know, you want to see it at home day one, it's going to cost you. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, I didn't catch that news before the, before the, so, so yeah, that's hot news. Black Widow. 
Yeah, Black Widow pushed to uh, July, but still and, opening. And coming out at home, so I could pay 30 bucks and watch it here. Yep. Mm, all right. Well, not such a bad deal then. Well, keep it here at off, on Offscript for more movie news. It's about all we got this week. But uh, we do need to talk about some trailers, because we can talk about Justice League. But like I said at the top, typically we split this stuff into two parts. But nobody split Justice League for us, so by God, we're going to talk about it all at once. That's the plan. Uh, let's talk about what we've got coming up. First things first, we have a trailer for a movie called Concrete Cowboy. Concrete Cowboy is the story of 15-year-old Cole, uh, who discovers the world of urban horseback riding. Uh, when his mom sends him to live with his estranged father, played by Idris Elba, in northern Philadelphia. Uh, the father is a modern cowboy, lives in some kind of apartment or townhouse in North Philly and has a horse and his neighbors have horses and they like ride around and they live like cowboys do. And this is set, as far as I know, in present time, very close to it. It's based on a book uh, called Ghetto Cowboy uh, from an author called named Gene Ree. Um It's going to be a project on Netflix. Andy, hot takes on the trailer. It looks good. It's an interesting, uh, you know, premise. Uh father-son drama coming of age thing with uh, these urban literal urban cowboys um it looks good looks looks interesting um don't have don't really get a, a lot of feel for, for the movie um uh, but it's you know the idris elba plays the father and he's uh you know he like his son comes home and he's like okay the, here's your bed and it's like the couch you know so there's gonna be a lot of uh you know stress and strain there and then things are going to have to work through but that that looks like an interesting relationship yeah i'm i'm really interested to kind of see what turns into i'm really intrigued to see uh caleb mclaughlin uh he's he's, he plays the lead cole uh he's in stranger things that's why you've previously seen him i'm excited to see him kind of branch out yeah from from kind of the cast there because i haven't seen him in a whole lot of independent projects i've seen like Finn Wolfhard and um, you know Millie Bobby Brown they've they've gotten around to do other things so I'll be I'm, I'm he's good stuff like I I think he's understated in the, in that show and I'm excited to see him kind of get some independent work and it seems like Elba's really Idris Elba's really into the project I mean he, yeah he always he always brings yeah. the game so I don't know Concrete Cowboy it will be coming out uh, oh gosh I don't actually have a release date what have I done you know what? I'll look for that real quick Andy's got a trailer you can talk about. <laughs> Right. Um, so we're also going to be looking at a trailer for a film called Voyagers, which is a sci-fi space drama uh, thriller starring Colin Farrell and uh, also um, Ty Sheridan and Fiona Whitehead, from who has kind of got his start in Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan's film. Uh, so the plot looks like there is uh, some sort of kind of exploratory uh, colonization mission in space and there's you know a generation of of children or that has to essentially be be born raised in space you know to kind of fill in that gap before they get to the planet they're on this 86 year uh, journey and uh, Colin Farrell is like the one adult who has to sit there and make sure all these kids are like raised and they you know they eat certain diets and are schooled and it looks like apparently they discover that they're uh you know, they take some some sort of medicine to kind of suppress all their like emotions and and urges passion and, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it kind of just makes them yeah. kind of makes them like robots. And they eventually stop taking this medicine. They realize it's um, you know doing this, and so then like you got a bunch of teenagers <laughs> giving into urges and you know just passion, anger, rage, all right. the, all these things. And so it looks like eventually it's all gonna like lose control uh <laughs> while they're supposed to be on this space mission to, to colonize a planet or whatever 
Um, yeah. I really like the look of this. It, I, I, you know, I love sci-fi. Uh, Colin Farrell's good. Ty Sheridan and um, Fionn Whitehead are, are good. Um, so it looks really interesting. Looks like a thriller, and yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by this one. It checks a lot of boxes for films we've already seen. It looks a lot like Lord of the Flies, right? Bunch of kids that have to deal with each other, like go nuts and decide that there's going to be some new hierarchy of how power is distributed amongst the the, the group of children they're dealing with. Um, but what it's got a pretty good cast. Um, yeah, Fionn Whitehead from from Dunkirk, who I don't think I've seen since, who was great in Dunkirk and looks great in this. Ty Sheridan's obviously solid. Also, Lily Lily Rose Depp. Johnny Depp's daughter is, uh, oh, seems, seems is. Be, yeah, one of the primary women uh, featured and Colin Farrell is, you know, probably good grumpy dad, Colin Farrell. Um, it also looks real claustrophobic, which I like. It looks real tight because they're on this spaceship and like that's kind of where everything seems to be going on. So it's a lot of white walls, white clothes, white floors. Everything's very like sanitized and sterilized, but very, very small quarters. And so when these kids start to figure out, hey, we don't have to take our meds and nobody will know any better. And then they start getting in fights and making out with each other. It's like, okay, this is, this is a bit of, <laughs> bit of in space chaos I can get behind. So we'll see. Uh, I, I did look it up. Uh, concrete cowboy is coming to Netflix on April 2nd. Voyagers will be in theaters on April 9th. So some things to look forward to, whether you're at home or, you know, going to the movies. And with that, we should probably get to the goods, the point of this whole episode. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. Andy, I hope you're jazzed too, because you're taking the summary. Uh, best of luck, sir. Please take it away. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Long float on shipless ocean. I did all my best to smile Till your singing eyes and fingers Drew me loving to your eyes So the long, long-awaited uh, Zack Snyder cut of Justice League uh, for those who don't remember, uh, he, he was the original director of the film, so it's come out in 2017. Uh, he had a, a tragedy in the family, death in the family, and had to st- back away from that project after it was already mostly done. It was it had been shot, and they brought in Joss Whedon of Avengers fame to uh, to finish out the movie um, to very mediocre reception. It was kind of all over the place, tonally. A little bit of Avengers, a little bit Zack Snyder. Uh, didn't make a lot of money, underperformed, and it essentially crashed the, the DCEU up up to that point. Um, we all these things it was supposed to set up didn't really happen after that. So then Zack Snyder, uh, there was a big fan poll or fan push for him to get uh, his cut released, and HBO eventually or Warner Brothers eventually gave him the you know seventy million dollars to finish his cut of the film and redo a lot of things and that's what we get this film is four hours long it's in seven uh unique parts it is quite the under undertaking um our story is uh at the beginning of the film we have batman or who senses some sort of uh, attack come extraterrestrial threat coming and so he sets out on a mission to you know gather other metahumans um such as aquaman uh, the flash cyborg uh wonder woman to you know bring the team together to to fight this 
incoming threat. Uh, in the meantime, we meet uh, the antagonist Steppenwolf, who's uh, kind of a harbinger of doom of uh, Darkseid, who's an even kind of bigger bad guy. He comes to Earth looking for three mother boxes, which are some sort of alien technology that will enable him to take over and conquer Earth. And so he lands on Earth looking for these, and the Justice League has to try and stop him, as well as overcoming their own personal differences and difficulties and uh, kind of personal tra tragedies, and also bring back a certain uh, red cape that's, that's missing for, from the Justice League. Because if you don't remember, as most people don't, uh, Superman died in Batman vs. Superman from 2014 or so. Um, and so he is not at the beginning of this film. So that's our story. We got quite a bit to talk about. This is four hours of film. I haven't seen anything like this. Uh, you know, never seen a film get this kind of uh, recut and uh, distribution. So, Zach, where, what are your initial thoughts? So if you've listened to Offscript for a long time, I don't think it will be any surprise to you when I say that I have talked an awful lot of smack about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um <laughs> This movie has everything going against it. It is a recut of a recut of a 2017 film, the original Justice yep. League? 2017, yeah. Oh November 2017. I thought it came out like three years ago. Okay, so that, almost a four-year-old film now um, that has been through production hell that has had producers and actors and cast involved on Twitter arguing at each other. We've had fingers pointed at Warner <laughs> Brothers. We've had protests and signs, online petitions with hundreds of thousands of signatures. Finally, somehow we have come full circle after a hundred million dollars in reshoots in 2017 and then another $80 million in reshoots in 2020 to, to produce a four-hour epic of the Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I am so pleased to report it is not a bad movie. And I, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't believe that I'm saying that. It is, it is surprisingly good. I actually liked it a lot more than I thought it did. It has problems. It has deep problems. <laughs> but like, it definitely does. Snyder's commitment to vision to say this is what I believe. This is how I believe this epic should play out. The tone, the structure is so encouraging that he was able to come back and finish this work and really do something bold with it is really grand. And I love the scale of it. And I love the feel of it. There's a lot I like about Zack Snyder's justice league. And I love that. I'm able to say that I'm excited to yeah. talk about it. What, yeah. But, I mean, I, I was the same way. I was really skeptical. I've been, you know, a Zack yes. Snyder hater and, yeah. you know, I wasn't impressed with his previous work. Most of his previous work uh, in the comic book film era, he, I felt like he didn't really get it. A lot of convoluted plots and just not, you know, I always talk about, um, you know, comic book movies need comic book moments. And I felt like that was lacking in a lot of his previous work. Uh, but he really turned it around. I've actually, I actually saw, sat through this twice because I was the first time I saw it, I was so skeptical and I was kind of, you know, hating on it. And I was like, oh, this is you know, Zack Snyder. And then, but after I ended up, you know, I finished it the first time and I really liked most of it. So then I went back and gave it a second viewing just to kind of see it with even more clarity, you know, when I'm not anticipating what is or isn't going to happen. Oh my gosh. And that's coming off of you having rewatched the theatrical cut last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've had like oh God, 10 hours, 10 hours of just, Oh wow. Last okay. Week. Well then, yeah, there's, there's no better person for me to be talking to about this. What do you, okay. So you, you liked it, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Never would I have thought I would have liked this movie. Like, ever. Uh, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that. But there's there's so much here that works, that really works. So what's the best way to jump into this? Do we talk about... I guess we should talk about this by itself and then talk about how it's different from the original? Or do we just talk about the theatrical and then walk our way into what this well, is doing? I I think we can start with just what what makes this work that didn't make the other one work. Great idea. Um, so I think one of the one of the big issues is we, we just have better... Yeah, better all um, character development. One of my big problems with the other one is like, I felt that you were introduced to characters and didn't really get to know them. But this version, you get a lot of backstory of, of everyone basically. Um, but especially Cyborg's character, very interesting. It kind of dives into his creation and his backstory and his relationship with his, his father, which is very, uh, you know, tumultuous. You get a lot more of him. You get more of the flash yes. uh, as, as well. And the setup for, what would and may or may not be future DC films is done better. Like there's more of like Aquaman and his, like the things that lead into his movie are done better. And you kind of see where that's going, where it's, it's just, it's really fleeting in the, uh, the Joss Whedon cut. Um, we get to know our antagonist a lot more, uh, Steppenwolf in the first one. He's kind of a forgettable, forgettable, big, you know, but he's the bad guy. And in this one, he, he is a much more complex character. He has more scenes kind of that dive into his motivation and his situation, which we find out that he's kind of a, a fallen, fallen angel figure. Who's trying to get back into the good graces of uh dark side. His, you know, the bigger bad. Yes. Yeah. Um, the larger antagonist. No, you're right. We've, we've got better, better character introductions on or be- better character, Better characters all around on both the good and bad side, which is tremendous. We get a much slower pace. Um, this movie is obviously longer. Um, originally, looking looking back at Snyder's like kind of original work before Whedon took over in 2017 or late 2016 to finish the movie for 2017, um, Snyder originally wanted this. He originally wanted like a four hour epic, and reportedly, he had gotten it down to like two hours and forty minutes before he left Warner Brothers. And I feel like watching this movie, somebody must've watched this and gone, some studio executive must've watched this and been like, this is great, but we can't release this. Like we cannot put a four hour movie in theaters. We won't get enough screenings. We won't make enough money. People will not sit for it. They'll say it's too long. It's un unwatchable, but only because of the length. That's it. That's the only reason I think it doesn't work. So they called in, they called in Joss Whedon and they were like, add jokes and make it lighter and, and turn up the saturation a little bit. Cause Zack Snyder loves his desaturated grays. Right. And, and go reshoot some stuff where, where, where Ezra Miller's a little funnier and Batman has a couple funny lines. Cause, cause the flash can't be the only comic relief, like really, really round this thing out, make it feel like a Marvel movie. And that's like the biggest misstep because it was never supposed to be one. Like it, it is supposed to be this entirely different tonal piece. That's very grand in scale. It feels like Snyder is trying to make the Lord of the Rings of comic book movies. Like this yeah, thing is really supposed does. to be, yes, the grandest end all be all mashup of the world having very little foundation because he's only had what two films so man yeah. of steel and Batman V Superman to make that happen. Yeah, one maybe I think maybe the Wonder Woman movie had come out. Maybe by, I think by then it had maybe yeah, like mm-hmm. just swinging for the fences. And Whedon came in and and walked all over that and duct taped it together with what he thought was a better vision. 
And it was a huge mistake because what Snyder shot, the, the, the sequences he put together, the way it's all supposed to be laid out in his vision feels so much more powerful than what Whedon did, even though it's longer, even though it takes longer to get there. The payoff is that much greater and it's so much better for the DC universe yeah, that, than trying to just mock up Marvel. It's so much better. Yeah, the, there's some really, really nice scenes that are, uh, there's a scene with The Flash and I think the third act, uh, which is really amazing. And, the opening and done, of the third act. Yeah, I know exactly the scene you're talking yeah. about. Yes. And also done very differently from like the, uh, the, the corresponding Marvel scene, which is with Quicksilver. Um, completely different, but still like, you know, a speedster yeah. uh, thing. I, it's, yeah, it's arguably the best scene in the film. If you've watched it, you probably know what we're talking about. Um, um, but yeah, there, there's, there's several moments like that where, yeah, he, he brings out like, it's very operatic. It's very epic in, in scale. And it's like, you know, I talk about in comic books when you have those big page turn moments of like, <gasps> make you gasp. We finally get, get a lot of those. And there's like none of them in, in the original cut. And I, I was like, I don't know what Joss Whedon was thinking because he left out a lot of really, really good material. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Like there, there's stuff in this film that like, I do not understand what director in their right mind decided it was worth leaving on the cutting room floor. Like, even if you're trying to cut it for time, even if you're trying to put it together efficiently, it doesn't make any sense. Additionally, since this has come out, people have gone back and looked at Whedon's work at the scenes that he's used to kind of cobble together, like desperate scenes instead of using these longer pieces Snyder has, right? Snyder would take 25 minutes to explain Cyborg's backstory. He does like in, in a few scenes and Whedon looked at that and was like, how can I cut that down to four and make one scene that I can reshoot in between these two minute scenes and just make it a four minute thing? How can I do that? And so that was kind of his goal. And it's like, he went at it with a hatchet. Like, I, I, I don't get it. And, and I know it's too long. And, and the funny thing is about where we're at now versus 2017 is now Snyder's four hour cut works because we have streaming services to carry it. It wouldn't have worked in a theater in 2017, but on HBO Max, it's great. And arguably, I mean, when they, when they announced it, they were saying it was going to be in parts anyway. It was going to be four, four, like four, four like one hour one hours. Yeah. And then they episodes, said, well, no, yeah. it'll be two, two hours. And then it ended up just being four. HBO Max, by the way, does a great job of specifically marking in the timeline where the parts start. So you can see the chapters as you're watching the movie. That's a, that's a smart move by them. But, um, like the, the ability for this movie to exist now only really works because of HBO Max, because of the platform it's on. And thank God. Because it's so much more, so much better than, than the Whedon version. Now, now we need to talk about what's going on in it and why it might be a shame that they're not doing anything with it going forward. So, yes. So yeah. what I mentioned that some of the, what would have been, or what might still be future films are set up much better. Like we said, uh, I mean, the Aquaman film has already come out. And so this gives that a little bit better setup retroactively. The other one that may or may not come out is the flash movie. We get a lot more scenes with Barry Allen and we get hints of his, um, what his movie will be about, which as we've kind of said before, and involves time travel, we get a little bit of that in this film. And that, that kind of excited me. Cause I was like, Oh, this is a setup for what he's going to be doing in the future. And that's really exciting. And that's, you know, really cool. Yeah. Um, since this film has come out, Warner brothers has gone on record and said, we are not, we are not taking any direction from this movie going forward in the series. Think of this like a fan fiction. Like this is not, there will not be films that build off of this one. Uh, everything, anything coming forward still exists in like the Whedon justice league timeline. If they're still using mm -hmm. that, I guess. And that's such a shame. Yeah. Because I, I so much more enjoy the characters as they're presented here. 
obviously following justice league like either either one the flash movie i think will be the same but i enjoyed the characters so much more here and they all felt so much more powerful and i felt like each one of them was deserving of their own property yeah there needs to be a flash movie after i've seen this movie because the flash is awesome in this movie cyborg is broken strong in this movie and it's like he could probably have his own thing there needs <laughs> yeah, to be a batman movie <laughs> He's yeah. a little OP in this. We, we, we maybe off the show because that's a bit spoilery. We'll talk about how busted Cyborg is in this movie. But Well, I can say that, that there was, a, I think it was you or, or Matt show, shared an article that said, you know, Cyborg is as powerful as, as Dr. Manhattan. And we had mentioned that that was ludicrous and, and absurd. But then after you watch this movie, you're like, well, I kind of see what, where they got that yeah, from. Now. Yeah, right. The, the actor who plays Cyborg, who's been um, very, very publicly disparaged by Warner Brothers because of, because of the Whedon cut. He, dude, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, was so mad at Warner Brothers for the past like four years. He's been just furious. And look, watching the Snyder cut now, I get it. They destroyed his character in the Whedon cut. Like he is barely in that movie. In the Snyder cut, he's like the, he's he's like a freaking god. And that's what all of these characters are supposed to be. They're supposed to be basically gods. Like that's that's what we're watching. And 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 it shows. And that's what it feels like. And it feels very grand and strong. So, without further ado, let's just jump into act, the meat and potatoes, man. Let's start talking about the movie. Like we gotta we gotta get into this. So. What, what's the best place to break this down? I guess part part one, right? Where it all starts. Um, I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, we've talked about characters, performances, mm. action. Work. Real quick, before we jump into it, I do want to talk about how the structure is formally different from the Whedon cut, right? Um, most of the footage in the Whedon cut was shot by Snyder. There's not that much that was shot by Joss Whedon, believe it or not. And what's surprising is... <laughs> All of the good scenes in the Whedon cut are from Snyder. He shot everything good. Like everything lame in the Whedon cut seems to have come from Joss Whedon. Yeah, everything yeah, awesome totally. seems to have come from, from Zack Snyder. Like everything cool. Um, and that's not necessarily surprising, but this movie is structured differently in that these scenes are placed differently. And there's longer scenes in between them and stuff we didn't see. There's there's a large sequence that takes place on... Um, Themyscira, right? Is that the name right. of it? Wonder Woman's yep. Homeworld? Yeah, there's a whole bit there we don't see. There is a ton of backstory for Cyborg and Flash we don't get to see. There's uh, the way these characters meet and interact with each other is different. You might remember famously in the Whedon cut how it opens with Batman finding uh, you know evidence of the mother boxes because he just happens to ice a parademon like when he's looking for a robber for a, for an, a guy who's robbing an apartment this movie yeah, that intro is super right weak. yeah it's it's super weak yeah this this starts off completely different um with completely different motivation and 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 a totally different way for our heroes to discover the presence of these mother boxes and and the threat of of steppenwolf um so, so obviously, obviously there's a lot of the same scenes in here but there's a lot more added and it's place differently you'll see a, a shot from this a, a scene from the, the whedon version that's 30 minutes in the movie might be 10 minutes in here or something that was an hour in the whedon version might be two and a half hours here it's all there everything's there but it's just structured differently and in a, such a smarter way and it's really stunning work i mean it's it's really outstanding yeah it's much it's a little bit easier to follow i mean that was one of the, the my complaints of the Whedon cut is it's the plot's a little convoluted. It's, it still is in here, but it's a little bit easier to follow just because it takes its time more. A lot of the scenes like the, uh, yeah, the big fight on wonder woman's Island is extended. 
um, it's a lot cooler. It, it also makes more and more sense. There's this whole part where they're like trying to seal the t- the tomb or whatever, and it makes way more sense in this than it did in in the Whedon cut. Um, and then there's there's also I'm trying to th- uh, oh there's a, the backstory called the Age of Heroes that that kind of goes back five thousand years or whatever. That's much more extended as well. It just it really takes its its time. It's a little indulgent, but it for what it is, it makes everything make a little bit more sense. True. I, I do think this movie is very indulgent, actually. Um, but I love it. Like that's I mean, in, in the way a, a Tarantino film is indulgent, like yep. Snyder Snyder has like really grabbed the freaking director's chair and like, I don't know, hung on to that thing. Like he he owns every bit of the creative vision in this film. And it's bold and it's striking. And I like it because it's so much more different than a Marvel film that we, we've come to expect with like somebody said it great. I was, I was, I was watching an early review of this and somebody said it so perfect. They said, you know, a Marvel movie, it never really takes itself seriously, right? Like Marvel movies are always poking fun at themselves. Iron Man's making fun of Thor's hair. A Captain America says something stupid about, about, uh, I don't know, Captain America's a goody two shoes, but you get the point, right? Like they're always Language. making fun of each other. Yeah, right. They're they're all trying to pick up Thor's hammer and Ultron and can't do it. Like there's lots of goofy kind of things. And it never really expects you to take the comic book movie world seriously until the stakes are high, until Rhodey gets thrown out of the sky and is paralyzed from the legs down or, or Winter Soldier loses his arm or something like that's when it matters. That's when you're supposed to care when, when, when Robert Downey Jr. When, when Iron Man's about to snap for the infinity gauntlet, like that's when it really counts. But otherwise you're kind of supposed to sit back and eat your popcorn and go for the ride. Right. <laughs> Zack Snyder has leaned so far in the opposite way. Everything is epic. Everything is bold. Everything is dramatic lighting and washed out grays and and really unique tonal soundtrack choice. And it makes everything feel so much more grand. And that's something they couldn't quite hit in Man of Steel, I, I think, because the writing. They couldn't quite get it in Batman v Superman. I, I'm not sure why. But here, with four hours to play with, it finally happened. We finally feels, get it. Yes. And it's it's like, this is what he was trying to do with those films. This is what he was trying to do in Watchmen. He was trying to hit this level of like grand expanse. And we're finally here. Like, and everything feels so bold. Scenes are 20 minutes long if they have to be. Like, the lighting is dramatic. Everything's so it's just huge. And, and I love it because that feels so much more different been a marvel film it feels so much more unique for a comic book property and that's exactly what dc needs to be doing going the opposite way and they're doing great at it in this movie yeah the overall tone is just so much different than than uh the other cut and also like you said all the marvel films it's much more serious it takes its it's much more grand epic in scale and part of that has to do with the uh the score which is completely different so they had in the original cut they brought in danny elfman who would course had done like the original batman the 1989 batman score and he kind of brought back a lot of that kind of sounding music and it just i mean it was fine but not real memorable but in this um and i forget the the composer's name it's tom something um he he mixes in a lot of the the music that we got from Hans zimmer and kind of that we got in man of steel specifically and it's just a different beast it's much more grand it's much more like i said like opera and it's a it's a great score in that and that lends to these great scenes behind it yeah so i've actually got a, fu- a funny answer for this they rescored the film for whedon original this is this is 
I don't know if it's quite the original score, but it's much closer to what they wanted. I don't remember the name of the composer either, but I know his stage name. It's Junkie XL. It's a guy, drew, a guy who did the music for Mad Max, Fury Road, and a handful of other recent projects. He did all of the oh. music for Zack Snyder's Justice League. When Whedon came in, he thought it was too dark and recut it with Danny Elfman, who had done, uh, you know, some some looser stuff, much more kind of crowd-pleasing, not, not quite as experimental. And he also filled out the soundtrack um, with much more like pop culture appropriate songs. I'm I'm honestly a little surprised Whedon's cut still opens with a Leonard Cohen track. It's a woman singing it, but they've got that opening montage played set to Everybody Knows, which right. is actually a really good montage for what it's worth. But that's not present here. This is new music. This is different. And also, this has a lot of opera and like choirs Dude, and yeah. like ancient lamentations when wonder woman <laughs> yeah. is on screen um, that's a really funny bit it's a funny bit for sure it's a little much but so the other thing that like you were mentioning uh you know song choice a lot of the songs that are chosen like the you know not that are non-score that are pre-existing songs are so much better and they f they fit better there's a long um scene where, with lois lane where she's like lamenting the loss of superman that has a really good song choice mixed in and that is those songs are much more unique and they fit better and it's not just the generic because i remember the big push in the original cut was the come together um song yeah. which was like really kind of cheesy right uh, whereas like this this movie like when characters are doing i mean even when they're introduced wonder woman one woman is introduced on screen to this to this to a nick cave song Aquaman is introduced to a Nick Cave song. Uh, Tim Buckley is present on this soundtrack. Uh, I, I, I think that's the it's a cover of the track that plays when Flash is on screen. It's very like thoughtful music, and it's very strange. I, if you if you watch the trailer for for Zack Snyder's Justice League, one of the more recent ones that sets Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, that music is basically the whole movie. It, it's a hundred and ten percent commitment to it. But I kind of super liked it. Like, I wanted to hate it. I wanted to be like, this is cheesy and over the top. But like, it's actually kind of not bad. Like, somehow it works <laughs> because this commitment to shooting stuff in slow-mo and making it all feel bold is like so wonderful. And it matches perfectly with like the striking color palette and lighting. Uh, Snyder is very committed to like the desaturated colors. Nothing is overly bright. Nothing is overly toned. There's a reason the poster's in freaking black and white. And supposedly, up to this point, there's a black and white version coming out with this that he claims is the definitive Snyder cut. <laughs> is the real, cut. real cut. I will definitely... I will probably wa end watch, up watching it, yeah. I will watch the black and white version. Of I this. like this cut so much, I'll probably watch the black and white cut, which is nuts to me. Um, like, so that, it, that, Go ahead. I was going to say, that brings me to the another thing that I really like, and I think that is a lot different, is kind of our final epic showdown uh, climax of the, of the film. Much different from what we get in the Whedon cut. Much more exciting yeah. and also better. You know, what? one of the things that I kind of complained about the other cut was, you know, it seems like at the end they're just stalling until Superman shows up and they're not really working together like they do in, you know, the Avengers. Like, you, they got all, you know, all your separate powers together, work together to defeat the big bad guy. That happens a lot more in this where they're working together to, like, overcome to try and beat Steppenwolf. 
Yeah, that's something I've, I've complained about with, with DC movies in the past. They don't ever have heroes like actively coordinate their powers or anything or their abilities to work together, right? Um, Marvel does this great. You think of Avengers Infinity War Endgame or even the opening Avengers. Uh, Robert, uh, Iron Man shoots a big laser out of his chest and Captain America uses a shield to block it because Vibranium will block it and it'll push off towards somebody else and can deflect it. Thor can throw it to throw a, his hammer and it'll hit Captain America's shield and make a big shockwave. Like they can combine powers to do things. That actually happens in this movie multiple times. It's awesome. And additionally, Steppenwolf, our, our hero, in in the Whedon cut, he feels like uh like 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 a, like a side character. Like he like he he's, he's a half hero. He doesn't get nearly the glory of any kind of Marvel super villains. Like he's some total nobody. And it's like this guy just feels like a wash up. Like he's strong, sure, but like he doesn't really have any backstory. He's kind of just this goofy looking alien with horns from Mars or wherever. And Superman goes down, like destroys him at the end of the film. In this movie, he still feels that way, but he's supposed to because he's not the big bad. There's like three big bads and like an army of big bads on some other planet in some other world that he's just answering to. He's a crony and he always was a crony. But the difference is in the Whedon version, you don't know that. And in this movie, he is. He's a goon. Like he's he's one step of a series of, of larger antagonists that make this feel like a really large grand thing. And additionally, right. it's worth mentioning, there's no, <laughs> the internet has figured this out very quickly, there's no Russian family in this movie. Joss Whedon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joss Whedon added in his cut, uh, at, at, the, at, at, the, at the climax, there's uh, Superman shows up to beat down on Steppenwolf because in Whedon's cut, the Justice League has pretty much decided, hey, without Superman, we can't do anything. He's really it. We have to have Superman beat Steppenwolf. And Superman shows up to beat down on him. And then he randomly decides, wait, 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 there's this family up top the, above this complex we're in that's going to get hurt if I don't go save them. And he flies out of there with the Flash and the two of them basically aren't around for the final fight. That's their excuse to have the other like heroes kind of get in on the fight and work with them. In this movie, no, that, that, like, that was all added by Whedon. There is no Russian family. Superman shows up. It's time. Like it is going down and it's awesome, you know, and the yeah. other heroes help. It's not just the Superman show. Like Flash gets this awesome bit in there and Cyborg is doing this huge thing. Really, the only character that gets sidelined at the end is Batman and maybe yeah. Wonder Woman a little. Um, but Batman's human. He should get sidelined. Like he's he's not some crazy, you know, super superhero god. He's a guy in a suit. I get it. That makes sense to me. Like it, it, it seems like all these things that were missteps in the in the Whedon version are advantages in this version. Everything that felt bad there feels good here. It's crazy. Yeah, um, and I was going to mention about uh, Steppenwolf and and kind of his cronies. We in in the Whedon cut, there is no dark side. There is no any no. of the those those characters. Um, and you know, dark side is supposed to be like kind of like Thanos is in um, in for Marvel. It's supposed to be an even bigger threat um you know can more powerful than everyone that that's fought and we get to see him and his cronies interact and we get to you know we hint towards future movies and you know who knows what whether they will or won't happen but you know we're introduced to someone bigger than our current antagonist a future threat a bigger threat you know and we get some background scenes we get some kind of like uh imaginate you know if he does come here and take over what what will it happen what will it look like kind of thing and that's that's a big part and i remember we had that stupid like you know batman in a trench coat vision something in in the whedon cut that's not here 
Um, I think I know which scene he was kind of trying to to like mock or take that off of, but he, um, yeah, he compl- that part's not there. And the dark side stuff is, I think, really cool. Because at first, like I said, I was real skeptical when I started this. And, you know, when, when we first start meeting these other characters, uh, other big bad guys, you know, I was just like, well, this isn't really going anywhere. Like, but they they use it really well they use it to create a menacing threat of things to come you know past this this film and like the thing with the whedon cut is you know they didn't go anywhere from it they didn't take any cues outside of aquaman which was already planned you know they they hadn't moved forward with any properties after i mean i don't think they really had a plan i think they were set to maybe reset so really things are still open yeah um and i i hope that means something because like Zach's <laughs> that I don't see a better way forward for DC than this film. Like I, I, the flashpoint movie sounds awesome, but part of the whole reason I was interested in the flash movie is because the flash in the DC universe can move through time and there's potential for the flash to basically rewrite, rewrite parts of the DC cinematic universe here that aren't working. Had this been the movie, there's nothing to rewrite. Like this is this is the way you should go. Keep going this direction. At least in my that's what I think they should do. But like they're not gonna, I don't think. And I hope they do. Like because I think there's a lot here. I hope they reconsider. Um I don't I don't know how much they I mean it's they, all it's all up in the air. I th- I think I don't think it's been really decided on. They've been I kind of focusing so. on the individual properties and doing, you know, multiverse things so they can bring in different versions of the characters. Yeah, and I I hope they they keep an open mind about this stuff. I I don't know if I mean I don't know if Snyder is over it. He may just be like, no man, I don't want to make any anything anything more like this. But I don't think you spend eighty million dollars re recutting an already recut movie that cost a hundred million after the first set of recuts, um, for nothing. Like I I think there's a reason they did this. I hope I hope strategically they look at like the you know the 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 numbers and, and and it comes out to work for them because believe it or not like this movie's got a 73 percent on rotten tomatoes which may not seem like much but that's a snyder film and snyder movies do not get that like normally like this is a 96 percent audience approval rating people like this movie and it's hard not to talk about why they did this without talking about the release the snyder cut movement <laughs> right right there was a big push yeah. to uh to to redo the film to get a get the the again the snyder and we laughed at it if you go back and listen to our first episode we we, yeah we were like no this is ridiculous this is never going to happen never going to give him money this is a terrible movie redoing it's not going to make it better this is a waste of time yeah turns out we were wrong (laughs) yeah whatever this is all that all happens in front of a green screen whatever snyder shot will never be finished give it up we're here for the memes right no these people fought warner brothers they fought joss whedon they fought the internet patronizing them they, because they wanted this thing. They, they raised a quarter of a million dollars for the American Americans for suicide prevention in a, in a big charity thing to try to push for this movie. $250,000 they raised just to try to get the Snyder Cup moving to get on Warner Brothers radar. And what's horrifying is it totally worked and it, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was all worth it. And it's good. And like, I, 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 I don't, I don't know how See, to handle that in my, in my brain. I mean, sometimes you never know because a lot of times when you give into audience with, you know, what the fanboys want, a lot of times it's bad. That's how we get, you know, Star Wars Episode Nine, which is complete fan service and really forgettable and really bad. In this case, it, it turned out. But I think the difference is here. This wasn't about giving into fan service. It was about giving into the director's original vision. Yeah. 
Regarding Snyder's original vision, uh, I do have do have thoughts about that. Originally, Snyder had wanted to make two more films in the Justice League after this. Uh, and he definitely makes it clear at the end of the film what direction he wanted to go in. And I think that's part of the reason Warner Brothers is kind of scared to run with that. Without getting into spoilers, any takes on the bold ending of this film? Uh, yeah, I'll try to be a spoiler free. I think that hints to, if you're familiar with, with some of the DC video games that have come out recently, I think it hints at storylines there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, there, there are future films that, that were teased or And you know, the fact that they're doing multiverse, stu- multiverse stuff now means they might still be able to do it. Um, before we finish up though, we need to talk about the things that don't work the the issues as much as we've been praising it. Yeah, I know we do. This can't, this can't all be good. So Andy, what is, what is your biggest critique of this film? Cause I know what mine is. I'm sure it's the same as yours. Uh, so it's similar to the, uh, the original cut, which is the, the plot is still a little bit overly convoluted. There's a, there's so much going on because, you know, we're, we get elaborate backstories for cyborg and, um, you know, Wonder Woman, there's a big thing that happens on her island and the Flash, as well as the whole mother box thing gets really, really complicated. It's like, okay, there's these boxes, they do this, they're here, we got to find them and keep them. Like, it it, it gets really, like, lured out, it gets really uh, in the weeds with it. it. It just, it becomes a little overly complicated, which also leads to another point. Like, if you haven't seen any of the other stuff and you're not real familiar with a lot of comic book lore, you might be completely lost. Yeah, um, they definitely do not shy away from that. There's there's a few instances in this film where like I had no idea what was going on on screen, and then I looked it up, and it was like, oh well, if you if you're a DC fan, you get it. There's a real commitment to leaning into that. You know, Snyder's vision here is unabashed, and and there's points where he wanted to introduce characters from the larger DC universe, and he just did it. He was like, I don't care that they haven't been featured or mentioned anywhere previous. Like, this is it. This is where they're coming in. I mean, this is the first time we see the Flash and Cyborg, right? And they're in the Justice League. Why the hell can't I talk about this character or reference this character from this thing that I haven't touched? You know, like, why why can't I do that? And he did. Um, the thing I would discount this the most for is just the runtime. It's just too long. And I know yeah. it's a, I know it's a bold vision, but I think... This would have worked great as either four like one hour chunks that maybe were tightened a little better on the ends to kind of bumper them up next to each other. So you want to finish episode one and jump right into episode two or two half parts. Like I said, it is very fortunate that HBO has specifically time stamped in the timeline like white highlights. Hey, here's here's where part one starts. Here's where part two starts, because I did not watch this in one sitting. I watched this over the course of three days, almost four Um and it was a little hard to keep up with everything. It's hard to stay tonally in in the, in the seat with Zack Snyder along for the ride when you have like a day of life in between segments of the film. So we well, we've yeah. talked about this before with um, this is more of a TV thing, but, you know, something like, you know, Netflix invented binging. But we realized that that you can also kind of blow all your kind of social capital on one weekend. Like, you know, when Stranger Things comes out, everyone rushes to watch in a weekend, whereas Disney plus with their longer shows, you know, they go on for eight weeks. So, you know, if you would have done, let's say one hour release every week, um, with this, then you would have had like a month of like, no one talking about anything, but justice league. Right. Like WandaVision is only four hours of content. It's a little more, but like it's eight, what is it, eight parts of nine, 
Oh, okay. Well, it's a little longer than four hours. It's like five it's hours. About six. Content. Yeah, five yeah. or six. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a little off, but like the point is, like that was like an event that took the course of two months, like to get through that people were making memes and talking about, and like it's almost a shame that doesn't happen here because it's really something else. And I, I get the commitment to the films, right? Like Snyder's always said that he's like, I don't want to make miniseries. I want to make movies. Like this is my thing. But like at this point, I'd say Snyder needs to really consider making making a miniseries. Give him the time. Obviously, he can use it. Like, give him yeah. the time and give him the budget to, to make something really grand and split it up over, like, eight weeks. And, like, I well, think we'd have something could, really to talk about. Yeah, he could really have indulged even more if he would have been given five, six hours. Right. Like, that would have been even even more so. And by the end of that that run, I mean, I think a lot of us would have been, he would have been a, a real name in, in TV series. But instead, he committed to the movie, and I respect that. But, um Man, I, I I would want to see more. Either either spread it up better and make it longer, or just tighten it up. There's there's stuff you could cut here for sure. There's stuff you could yeah. Lose. There, there is there is yeah. So it's not it's there's definitely fluff. I think the fluff is effective because tonally it it, it drives the point home that this is supposed to be very large and grand scale, similar to Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films being near four hours in their in their extended cuts, but. What it's worth, man, uh, I cannot believe how much I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I'm probably not going to watch it again anytime soon. Maybe the black and white cut because it is a beating to watch. It is long. But yeah. if, if you can stomach it, man, you're you're in for probably the best ride the DC Cinematic Universe has turned out so far, in my opinion. And that's beating out Wonder Woman, I think. Mm-hmm. It's really good. So uh, any other thoughts for recommendations? I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Zack Snyder's Justice League? Yeah, absolutely. It was a big surprise that this really got turned around much better than the original. Um, I will say a couple of caveats. It really helps if you're invested in these characters or in comic book movies in general. If you're not, if you're new to it, it might be a little confusing. Um, and again, that's the that's my only thing is that the plot's a little you know, convoluted. And if you're not familiar with a lot of things, it, you might be a little lost. Other than that, it's a huge improvement over the original cut. Much better performances, better storyline, better in tone, scale, score. Really enjoyed it. I've seen it twice, which is a full eight hours. Um, but uh, so highly recommended for me. Yeah, I, I would recommend it as well. I, I would recommend you definitely do not try to tackle this in one sitting for sure. I, I think it's probably overload. Take a break. If you're going to try to do it in one day, you know, like sit down and really give it a two hours and then take a break and then do the next two. I watched it over the course of three days and that was too much. That was too split up. So I, I mean, maybe if you tried to go by hour by hour and do it over the course of like a week, maybe, but I, I think you should try to watch this as much in one piece as possible, or at least like two yeah. chunks. Yeah. Two separate. By the way, I would definitely like, there's a lot of this I saw and I was like, I wish I were in a theater right now because this would be so epic on, on the big screen and the big speakers and all, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. We didn't talk about the format, 4 by 3 Does that bother you at all? I mean, where, where were you with that? No, no, no. I, I was fine with it. I kind of liked it in, in a weird way uh, for a couple things. One, because uh, supposedly it would have looked awesome blown up on like an IMAX and maybe one day we'll get something like that. Which, by the way, open invitation, Andy, if they ever bring Zack Snyder's Justice League to an IMAX theater, you and no, I got to see it. We're doing Dude, it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to marathon four hours, but it would be so grand on a screen. And two... In a way, it felt a little bit more like a comic book panel. For some reason, the square format like really kind of worked. I didn't, I didn't really mind it at all. So I don't think that'll bother you if you're watching it. Would recommend. Good stuff. I don't believe it. Their, their dreams can come true. Zack Snyder's Justice League can be good. Let the world know. 
uh, it's not a bad movie. And with that, we need to wrap our show. Before we get there, uh, I've got a little bit of listener correspondence I want to mention. Uh, last week, LA Confidential, we covered uh, at the request of Jamal Park on Twitter at Mapstone Park. He thanked us for doing that. So thanks, Jamal. It was our pleasure. Loved it. And uh, you know, let us know if there's anything else you want us to watch. Also, we got a comment on YouTube that I wanted to mention from a wonderful man named Todd Stone regarding our Earwig and The Witch review we did a few weeks ago, the, <laughs> studio, the animated Studio Ghibli films. Uh, there's a couple issues here with the language. It's YouTube, so it happens, but I'm going to try to get this best I can. He's Todd said, I've watched Earwood, Earwig and the Witch two times, fan sub first and English dub is the second. He thinks it's the most underrated 3D animation and anime movie. Frankly, he said there's, it's humble, but it's far beyond, um, precious uh, the meaning while cherish is still I don't, I don't know what that means but he enjoyed it he said it reminds him of movies like pop from up on poppy hill and ronya the the studio ghibli series and amazon prime not like their best but certainly not one of their worst and worth revisiting so thanks todd thanks for writing in man i appreciate it i i kind of agree it's definitely of that scale i don't know if i'd rewatch it but uh not a bad movie for sure andy what are we watching next week so next week, we have a couple of new things coming up. Uh, first is the theatrical release of um, Bob Odenkirk's action uh, kind of John Wick take comedy action thing called Nobody, which is in theaters starting this Friday. And then we're also going to talk about um, Another Round, which is the Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, it's actually a foreign film, comedy, highly praised, haven't seen it. The director is nominated for Best Director at the Oscars, um, and that's uh, available to rent on video and on demand. Yes, I'm excited to see both of those, especially another round. I, I've wanted to see that ever since I saw a trailer like a year ago because it's came out in Denmark originally and took a while to get over here, but it's on VOD. We're going to watch it. Nobody will be in theaters. Go ahead and watch it with us if you have the means. Otherwise, movies are expensive. Podcasts are cheap. You know, listen to Off Script and we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Except That's for right. spoilers, of course. Yes. Uh, if you enjoyed the show today, if you liked our review of Zack Snyder's Justice League, the news, the trailers, what we're doing next week, if you just want to get more involved with what we're doing, subscribe to the show. Subscribe so you can get new episodes of Off Script every single week straight to your phone. You can also rate and review us. That would help us a ton. You don't even know. You can follow us on Facebook where we live stream the show every single Tuesday evening. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on, we're on, we're on Instagram, I think. We're all over the place. And you can comment on any of those services to probably get a hold of us. But the best way to correspond with the show and tell us what you think of the show or recommendations like Jamal or feedback like Todd is to email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Check out our website, offscriptfilmview.com, where we're posting episodes and interviews and content all the time. Most of the time, I'll be honest, not all the time, but you know, a lot of the time. And uh, yeah, like that wraps our show. My God, Justice League, what, what a, uh, what an undertaking, huh, Andy? Yeah, <sighs> man. All right, it's a first. Well, it's a first. Let me tell you, it really is. I can't believe it. It was actually good. Who thought? Anyway, from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis, and I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.